and everybody's always looking for an untouched place that they can then touch, right? Like, <laughs> right, right, right. can't leave anything alone. Hello, I'm Mark, host and creator of the Island Travel Podcast. That is Brenna Saunders, a freelance writer and former English teacher who is also an avid traveler. She's talking about her experience in the Faroe Islands. Brenna shares advice on freelance writing and how to make the freelance lifestyle work on her blog, which is called BeFreelancing.com. That's BeFreelancing.com. And it's a really cool website. I recommend you check it out. Located between Scotland, Norway, and Iceland, the Faroe Islands have grown in popularity quite a bit in recent years. Often touted as the next Iceland because of similar geography, but much more remote. Hearing Brenna talk about the Faroe Islands, the landscapes and the people, it just really made me want to go check it out as soon as that is possible. If you have ideas for islands that we could talk about in the Island Travel Podcast, send me an email. Uh, you can reach me at islandtravelpod at gmail.com. That is islandtravelpod, P-O-D, at gmail.com. Enjoy. What took you to the Faroe Islands? My mom and I, we had been planning to go on a vacation. We weren't sure where. We were thinking about Iceland, Mexico, Costa Rica. My mom has a thing for the UK, and she always has. So she found a cruise. By the way, she also loves cruises. <laughs> and uh, this was kind of a smaller cruise. It had a more remote itinerary. So it went to Scotland, uh, North Scotland, like Orkney and Shetland Islands. And then mm -hmm. it went to the Faroes, and we were like, where are the pharaohs again? Oh no, that's Denmark, I guess. We're like, that sounds cool. Spoiler alert, we love them. For anybody that might not know where the Faroe Islands are, they're roughly you know, halfway in between uh, Norway and Iceland. Yep. And they have a population of about 50,000. Right, and until recently, they were not even connected to each other by roads. They, you know, you have to take a boat to get from one to the other. And now there's tunnels with roads going through them. Some of these roads are so small, they're only one way. And so there's pullovers, you know, in the middle of these tunnels that, you know, if there's two people driving towards each other, one has to pull over, you know, it's like that tiny. Okay. Yeah. Right. So hopefully uh, uh, you know, there's not too much traffic all no, the time. But, not at all. Uh, <laughs> like what's kind of the general itinerary that you did and right okay so our cruise was pretty short it was about nine days and we were in the pharaohs for a total of two days i would say it's a great time to sample them you know mm -hmm. i would definitely next time i'd spend longer there our first day we were in the second largest town which is called um Hoswick. Porshaven is the largest city these places are all within you know 20 minutes half hour of each other Happening by boat or by, by car? Through like yeah, a, yeah, by car driving around. You know, you're not far from anywhere. That's the bottom line. The first day we were in Clausewick, um, town of about 5,000. The second day we were in Torshaven. So the first day we were in Clausewick, we, it's a very cute little town. We walked around the town and then there were some nice kind of like hills nearby where if you climb the hill, you get a vista, you know, a really nice mm -hmm. view. So we did that, you know, these islands are just lush and green um, in kind of a stark way, but just, it's beautiful. And then there's sheep everywhere. So you're just kind of <laughs> among the sheep and 
you know, it's very, very clear air and there's almost no one around. And the people who are there are very nice. They just live a very quiet life. So, so they're not really tired of tourists yet, I, I take it. They're, you know, they're pretty yeah, I know it doesn't become like overly saturated with tourists, but we'll have to see. Hopefully that if, if more people want to visit, they, um, you know, they have like a cap on how many people can come each day. A cruise is the main way to get to the Faroes. Besides that, there's just one airport. And the airport only flies to Norway and Iceland. What else do they do for the economy there? So, as I re- so I recall, uh, our guide. We had a guide the second day we were there. He said that the main industry is salmon. They also have sheep. They export wool as well, but the the fishing is the main the main thing. <laughs> it's a very small volcanic group of islands, so almost no you know, natural resources. So how does that isolation affect how they've been created? Is the culture of the people a little bit different and affected by isolation? Yeah, that's my understanding is that they are more, they do have a very distinct culture. Now, you know, heads up, I have not like extensively traveled Scandinavian countries. I have been to a few other Scandinavian countries. What I can tell from what I have heard, from what I've been told, Yes, they, um, the pharaohs, they have their own distinct culture. I could really feel that even the couple days I was there, they speak um, a unique language, pharaohese. It's the most closely related language to the now extinct Viking language. Really? Yeah. They're Vikings. (laughs) Yeah, no, they are basically Viking descendants, and there are Viking ruins, too, that you can visit on the pharaohs. They were, it was settled by Vikings. The the place where they hold parliament today is still the same place. The first parliament was held back in Viking times. Really? Very distinct kind of architecture. They, their homes are these cute wooden homes. Sometimes they're white, sometimes they're red, sometimes they're just like gray or black but they have these grass thatched roofs. So I think to historically help kept the places warmer. And it's funny cause like sometimes you'll see like sheep on top of these roofs too. Really? <laughs> yeah, it's really yeah. interesting. And then they have their own like distinct cuisine and ethnic clothing. You know, they don't walk around wearing these kind of clothing, this kind of clothing of course, but like on holidays and festivals that they, I forget what the guys wear, but the women wear this particular kind of dress with this vest, and it's really pretty, and it's not like anything I've seen in other countries. Generally, people speak English. Pretty much everybody speaks Danish, and then, but they've really had to fight to preserve the Faroese language and their Faroese culture, and so they have. Usually, like when I travel somewhere, I research a ton. And then it's like, okay, I kind of know about this place. And then I go and see what it's like. But this place, like I was going in almost cold. It's like, I have no idea really what this place is. And then I went and learned about it while I was there. And it's like, wow, I can't believe I didn't know about this place. That's interesting. Do you think that would have been different maybe if you'd read a little bit about it and kind of went in with an idea of what to expect? I think so. I don't think it would have been like worse or better. It just would have been different. I think the whole experience really was just such serendipity. Like I, you know, I'm just coming in with an open mind and then this place ends up being even cooler than I could have imagined. Well, maybe we can just uh, touch on that. What, what were the top, you know, one or two things that you saw? So the place I saw that's probably the most famous, um, it's Mulafosser. It's a waterfall that's on Vagar Island. 
And it's kind of the money shot. A funny side story is my mom and I were with my some relatives at Costco. And you know how at Costco, they have all the TVs, right? All the electronics. And yeah. this big giant flat screen TV had as a screenshot, it had Mola Foster. It was those waterfalls mm-hmm. from the arrows. And my mom and I started freaking out. We're like, oh my gosh, like that's, we, we were there. And we were so surprised because it's a place that, it's not like the Taj Mahal where everybody knows what it is, right? It's this right. random place. And um, our relatives were like, what are you getting so excited about? They had no idea. And we had to like pull up a photo and show them like, this is a place we've been. And because they hadn't recognized it. Mm-hmm. But uh, that said, if you anyone who does know about the pharaohs, they're going to know about that waterfall. It's this gorgeous waterfall that's like right by the ocean. It's going into the ocean off the side of this kind of big cliff. Very picturesque. So definitely go there. The other thing I would recommend is actually going into the capital, uh, Torshaven, and seeing the Houses of Parliament because they're they're very scenic as well. They're They've got the thatched grass roofs, and it's a, it's been there since Viking times. Basically, the world's longest continually held parliament, if that makes sense. So wow. for that reason alone, I think it's worth going there, too. How old, roughly speaking? I mean, is this, you said it was like almost a thousand years? Uh, yeah, over a thousand years. Like around mm-hmm. the year 900 is when oh. they started holding parliament and when the pharaohs were kind of settled. I'm just imagining like, like a, a tour guide, like in like a, you know, a typical, you know, parliament or like in Washington, DC, you know, the capital, you know, they have a couple hundred years of experience to pull from, you know, this tour guide, he's got about a thousand years to pull. You know, yeah. Yeah. And yet it's this tiny place that like most people don't know about. That's the crazy thing. <laughs> but yeah, so definitely go there. You know, there's another Island. This is of course, there's also the seasons and we might get into that later, but you know, I was there in the fall and it was beautiful in the summer. There's some things you can see that you can't obviously because of the weather that, you know, in colder times. So in the summer, there's an Island that's famous for puffins. And so I obviously didn't get to do that because it was fall when we went, but if I went back, I would definitely go there. So that's another big thing is bird watching. There's a lot of birds on the pharaohs, especially um, puffins, which, you know, pretty rare. That's interesting. I know I, I spent a few days in Iceland a few years ago, and I know puffins was kind of a big deal there, too. Are, are puffins endangered, or are they just you know, really cool and very rare? Is that why they're... Yeah, they're kind of like pandas. I think they're not as endangered as they could be, because they're cute and people care about them. Um, I just looked it up here. Puffins are not endangered, but they're threatened, so... Okay. All right. Yeah. I mean, they're special people. (laughs) uh, What what would you say, um, like, if we're talking about like things that just made you laugh or, you know, kind of entertained you about the island? Yeah. Well, first of all, it's just very refreshing if you're like what seems like 95 or more percent of the people of the world today where you're exposed to some, well, I shouldn't give a number that high, but a lot of people, including me and you too, I believe, you know, are, you live an urban life or, Sure. You know, if if you're not in the middle of a city, you're you're in a suburb or there's a lot of human activity around you. So I mean, right. it's just very refreshing to go somewhere where the air is so pure. You know, you can like feel your lungs like thanking you every time you breathe. It's like you notice it. That, that's really interesting to me. And my mom and I, um, my whole family, we used to go to this fishing village in Mexico, and we loved it. And by the way, I love. Mexico, one of my favorite places. 
And mm-hmm. um, it was very peaceful, like the pharaohs, but there was, you know, there was some pollution and trash and all that kind of thing. So we basically, when we were at the pharaohs, we're like, this reminds us of this fishing village in Mexico that we used to love, that we used mm. to accept to that there's not the trash, you know, it's, there's not many places in the world that are like that. I, and you asked about funny things. So here is one thing that's funny. This, <laughs> that is genuinely made, this cracked me up. Um, this didn't happen to us, but this is a story from someone who was on our cruise ship who told us this. So the pharaohs, it's very homogenous. It's everybody there is like Viking descent. People we talked to on back on our ship, they're from Jamaica. And they have like dreadlocks and everything. And they said that there were some kids who saw them who were like very friendly and everything. But they're like, oh, wow, like, can we touch your hair? So, yeah, I just thought that was really funny. You were mentioning before when we spoke yeah. that um, a lot of people actually, um, they only live there half the year because their jobs take them elsewhere and they're okay. gone during the winter. Especially right? men that they go, they work on ships, you know, industrial ships and in, in doing industrial stuff in other parts of the world. And then during the warmer weather, they come back to the pharaohs and they'll like drive cab and that kind of thing. So like we hired a taxi driver for an hour or so and that's what he did. He's like, yeah, I'm not even here most of the time. You know, I'll, I'll be here a few more weeks. Kind of a lonely existence. <laughs> but then you think about historically the Scandinavians, I'm generalizing a little bit here, but like a very hardy culture, right? People used to like. We associate a lot of the Scandinavian countries with solid and, and very stable economies and, and all that kind of stuff. But um, as recently as about 100 years ago, uh, Sweden, you know, it regularly had famine, you know, the geography and the climate, you know, it's a harsh life in many ways. In these parts it of the world. Is. Well, and I think that's why so many of them immigrated to places like the United States. I mean, I, I'm Scandinavian descent. I, I believe you are too. Your last name suggests that you are. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Danish. Yeah. 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 So we, you know, we are the product of that. Yeah. A lot of people coming over. I was there in October and it was not as cold as I was expecting. So it was chilly, but yeah, I bet in the winter it gets pretty cold. Your final question, I think um, you said you went there a couple years ago, right? 2018, is that yeah, right? Yeah, it was not that long ago. It was October 2018. I guess the tourism has really been kind of growing in the last five years or so as being like the new cool Iceland. Do you see tourism and people traveling to Faroe Islands growing in the next five years? Yeah, well, prior to COVID-19, I would say absolutely. Yeah, it's like mini Iceland and, you know, untouched. And everybody's always looking for an untouched place that they can then touch, right? Like, (laughs) can't leave anything alone. The way things are now, even when we go back to traveling, I, you know, it's such a remote place. And since you mainly only can get there by boat and boats are especially dicey, that I have a feeling a lot of people are going to be kind of scared of cruise ships. If people do get uh, wanderlust again and want to start traveling again and are fine with going, mm-hmm. especially traveling by boat or cruise, then yes, I definitely see the pharaohs as becoming more popular in the coming years. A large number of the people that are going there are going there by boat or by cruise. And, you know, until that gets kind of squared away, I think. Right, right. They're the people that are going to have to continue to rely on salmon, right? They're not going to have as much tourism. <laughs> so maybe it'll be kind of like in cryo-freeze, you know, for a few years. And then it's just yeah. really cool to go to a place and have it to yourself. And I know there's kind of like 
a little bit of a catch-22 there. Like, I don't want other people to go there, but I want to go there. You know, you have to be gracious. You definitely made me want to go. You mentioned a pretty funny line about how um, people are always looking for untouched places that they yeah. can also touch, you know? Yes. <laughs> um, yes. I mean, in a way, this kind of break from travel and uh, a lot of the environment generally, um, it, I, I do think it, it's really one of the positive things that's going to come out of this is you kind of give the environment or places a break for six months. Absolutely. I just read an article last night about humpback whales and the positive effect it's having on them because there's not uh, noise around them in the water because there's not as many ships in the water. And, and this is happening with all different kinds of animals all over the world. I definitely agree with you. And I think it's good for us people too, like to not take travel for granted. Like, oh, I can't just go anywhere I want, whenever I want. Yeah, no, I think definitely in travel generally, I, th I think what really kills a moment on travel, um, I think is, yeah, we, we kind of go in with this very entitled attitude, expecting a certain experience. that, And if it doesn't line up exactly with everything, controlling your expectations and just being ready to be surprised is, is a good way to have those expectations exceeded. Right, right. It's, I call it bucket lust. When people have a bucket list and they're like, I have to do everything on the list and take a photo at every photographic spot so I can put an Instagram. Yeah, I don't think that that's mentally healthy. This is great. Uh, Brenna, thanks for talking again. And um, yeah, I'll uh, get this all taken care of. It was great awesome. talking to you. I look forward to your next podcast. All right, take care.